Hey, this is Pastor Keenan. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to our Young Adult Podcast. I know you're gonna be blessed because you are choosing to make listening to God's word a priority today. And if you are blessed by this episode, would you consider sharing it with some of your friends? You never know how God could use it in their lives. Well, hey, here comes the sermon. So lean in because God's getting ready to speak to you. I love you. And I'm going to be a preaching a bit of a standalone message tonight. I'm going to preach a message tonight, if you're ready for it, that I'm calling this. Ride in a posse. Ride in a posse. And if you're not familiar with the word posse, um, I don't, you must not be from West Texas. Okay, because um, the reason I chose this word posse is because I think a lot of times, especially if you are around church a lot or any sort of organization, the idea of community, you can become inoculated to it really quick. When I start talking about the importance of a community, when I start talking about the importance of the family of God, it gets easy to kind of brush that off because I've heard that over and over. And all I'm doing is just giving a new word for the word community, this idea of a posse. And I think we may even be able to have the definition on the screen. Posse is, uh, by, by, by definition, is a group of people who have a common characteristic, occupation, or purpose. A group of people who have a common characteristic, occupation, or purpose. Listen to me. This right here, this, this what we are doing tonight is not just a little, as we say a lot, Christian kumbaya moment. This is not just to scratch our religious itch. This is what we were born to be a part of. This is what Jesus died for us to be a part of. And I'm not just talking about being in these four walls. I'm talking about who we are at our core. Because listen to me, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, who you are at your core is his bride. You're not a second cousin. You're not a sibling that he's pretty fond of and he, he visits from time to time, year to year. No, you are his bride. There is not a more intimate relationship, listen to me, that a person can have on planet Earth than the one Jesus likened himself to you. Jesus didn't put you at a distance. Yeah, we're kind of related, but you're going to have to forgive me. They're my weird second cousin. No, you're his. You're his bride. When, when, when Jesus wanted to associate himself with something, he wanted to associate himself with you. How crazy is that? I'm not ashamed to be associated with Jesus. Listen to me, because Jesus isn't ashamed to be associated with me. That is the one reason I am not ashamed to be associated with Jesus Christ is because somehow Jesus Christ is not ashamed to be associated with the likes of Keenan Clark. And that to me is the biggest thing in the world. And I'm going to live the rest of my life. My wife and I are going to live the rest of our lives building his body, building his people, loving his people. And I really want to encourage you tonight, my friend, if you walk away with nothing else, I want to encourage you, don't you dare ever give up on the church. Don't you dare ever pull yourself and pluck yourself out of community, man. This is where God, I'm not just talking about Celebration Church, and I'm not just talking about young adults, because guess what? We're not all going to be young adults forever. I don't know if you really want that reality to sink in yet or not. It's kind of sad for me to think about too, but guess what? We're not all going to be young adults forever. But listen, I'm always going to be a child of God forever. I'm always going to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven for, forever. And that is why in this season of your life, listen to me, in this season of your life, in the foundational season of your life, you listen to me, you are in the foundational season of your life. You're finally in a season of your life where you get to make all the choices where everything, every nook, cranny, pocket, corner, and crevice of your life is occupied by where you choose to occupy your time. And I really just want to encourage you right off the bat in this message, man, to, to dedicate the rest of your life that no matter what comes, church, the, the people of God, the house of God, and my relationship with God, it's top priority. It is a top priority because listen to me, the, the, the digital means of having church is only going to get more pervasive. And listen to me, I'm thankful for it because right now, as I'm talking, there is somebody on Tuesday listening to me talk right now via podcast. And I'm so grateful that right now I get to share this moment with them in their car. But listen to me, that moment in their car does not replace actually being in the room, actually having the, the, the Holy Spirit stir something up in that moment and speak to the specificity of your stage, of your season, of your life. That can never be replaced by digital. That can never be replaced by church online. And what I really want to encourage you to do is, man, come hell or high water come social distancing or not, come, come whatever may come, I'm going to be planted yeah. in the house of God. 
I'm going to abuse the rest of my life to build what Jesus died to start. And with that in mind, I want you to turn over to the book of Ephesians. We're going to go to chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 17 and 18. And if um, you are a part of Celebration Church at large, this is going to be a familiar passage to you because right now on Sunday mornings, we are in a series that we're simply calling Immeasurable immeasurable. And I'm sorry I'm sniffling so much, but it's just because I got crying. And when I start crying, I start to sniffle. Okay. So it, it, I'm not sick or anything. It's just my, my, my emotions are all sorts of haywire. Okay. And so we're in a series, we're in a series called Immeasurable. And I, um, just shameless plug, um, if you missed Sunday morning at Celebration Church, I preached Sunday morning. And this is, this is not just because I think it was good. I just really believe in what God laid on my heart. And so if you missed that message, I want, you, I want to encourage you to go back on YouTube and just to watch that and let that wash over you. Let those realities wash over you. It was, it was honestly so on time for me. I thought about just preaching it tonight. I thought about just being like, hey, why don't we just do it again? Because I think there's some more people that need to get reached by this. And then God was just like, no, I've got something special for tonight. So I do want to encourage you, if you missed Sunday, go check it out. It's on YouTube. But we're in this series called Immeasurable, and this is the scripture we keep coming back to. And I wanted to use it tonight, even though we're in a standalone message. This is Ephesians chapter 3, and Paul writes this, verse 17. He says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, being rooted and established in, in doctrine, being rooted and established in, in Christian principles, being rooted and established at, in a denomination. No, being rooted and established in love. That what defines us, the core piece, what brings us together and gives us our common unity, which is where we get the word community. The word community is common unity. Where we get our common unity is that we are all commonly loved by an uncommon God. We are all loved, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. But I want to I point this out to you real quick. I want to point this out to you. Paul is saying, I pray that you'll be able to grab or grasp the love God has already given. But notice the caveat Notice the little thing he says right before that he wants you to grab onto the love of God. He says this, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. I want you to let this settle into your soul tonight. You will never fully understand God and you will never see the parts of God God wants you to see as long as you keep drawing lines of division rather than circles of inclusion. You are, listen to me, by cutting yourself off from other people in the body of Christ, just because you simply don't like them, or maybe, listen to me, you're a little prejudiced. You have some sort of emotional, social axe to grind against them. You know what you're really doing? You are cutting a facet and a piece of God out of your life. I'm not saying that that person is God. I'm saying you are cutting the possibility of God ever revealing himself to you through that person, through that person. There are people who have cut me out of their life. And what they are doing is they are cutting this voice. They are cutting this avenue of God speaking to them. And they have cut off an image and a picture and a facet of who God is. It's together with all, listen to me, all of the Lord's holy people. There are plenty of people that are considered holy because they put their faith in Jesus Christ that you would drastically disagree with. Can I be honest? That I drastically disagree with on a lot of subjects in their theology and a lot of the ways that they see God. But listen to me, it's when we get together with all the Lord's holy people. Who, who are the holy ones? Not people who have crossed all their religious T's and dotted all their religious I's and have all their religious ducks in a row. No, it's not people who have towed the line. It's people who saw that Jesus crossed the line. He crossed the galaxy. He crossed time and space to step into my time and space. And when I couldn't get to him, he came to me on an old rugged cross with arms open wide. And how dare I live with my arms folded when he died with his arms open wide it's that it's when we understand it's all the lord's holy people yes they disagree with you about water baptism yes they disagree with you on how things should be ran in the church but guess what you're going to be rubbing elbows with them in heaven and if we're called to bring heaven to earth i think we need to start rubbing elbows with them here on planet earth if we're ever going to see this thing turn around, our biases and our, our religious bigotry has got to be thrown out the door if we are going to see Jesus in all of his glory. 
Come on, I came here on fire tonight to let somebody know we've got to be about the thing Jesus died for. It's together with all of the Lord's holy people. And once we begin to let those, listen to me, God wants to meet you through unlikely avenues. God wants to meet you through unlikely avenues. What if, what if like, what if Luke, where this story is recorded, what if Luke just like said, I'm not going to go anywhere near Zacchaeus. I'm not going to go anywhere near Zacchaeus. I don't like him. Luke 19, it's where the story's found. I'm not going to go anywhere near Zacchaeus. Listen to me. We would never have the story of Zacchaeus because he didn't want to associate with a sinner. But guess what? His story may have started out as a sinner, but all of a sudden, a few moments later, after a conversation with Jesus, the story got changed. The script got flipped. And now all of a sudden, we're able to find people who at one moment, we never would have think, we never would think Jesus or, or spiritual people would want to associate with, but man, because they dared to get their hands dirty because they dared to get skin in the game, because they dared not to draw lines of division, but circles of inclusion. Now we get to see that God can use anybody. If he could do it through Zacchaeus, he can do it through, he can do it through me. If he can do it through a woman caught in adultery, he can do it through me. If he could do it with a woman out of the well, he could do it through me. If he could do it with a, a demoniac, a person who's got a legion of demons in them, he can do it through me because the, the apostles and Jesus weren't afraid to get their hands dirty. We now have a clear message that if God can do it through them, he can do it through me. But I wonder what the generations coming would look at our lives and think about our God. I wonder what the generations coming would look at our lives and come away with about our God. I don't know about you, but I want my life to scream that God can reach anyone, that his love is so wide, it is so long, it is so high, it's so deep, that how, I, how dare I cut myself off from someone Jesus died to be next to. I'm telling you, when we get that revelation, when we understand the height, the length, the width, and the depth, all of a sudden, their flavor of sin won't rub you the wrong way anymore. Oh, man, I'm telling you, when we understand, we understand how Jesus sees people. When we understand how much they matter, that their life is another means, it's another avenue for the gospel to get out and go forward and begin to transform the world. I'm telling you, we won't continue to draw lines of division. Because the truth is, is as long as we cut ourselves off from people, we are cutting ourselves off from an image of God he wants to give us. You know, some of you have heard me talk about this before, but one of my favorite things to do is I, 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 love, I love to go out and like take pictures. You know, me and my friends, we used to do it all the time. It's a ton of fun. I love exploring. I just love creating memories. And one of the greatest ways to look back at memories is to take some, some pictures. But um, one, my, my, my father-in-law, he loves pictures as well. My father-in-law, Steed Williams, one of the best dudes in the whole world, loves pictures. Um, but the dude loves pictures so much. He doesn't just love pictures. He loves the people in the pictures. Okay, he does. And like a lot. And he loves them so much. Anytime he gets a picture, he will crop anything out of the picture that is not that person. So what consequently happens, and, and, and literally, um, my, our Beth's grandmother sent us some pictures in the mail earlier this week, and so many of them uh, were from her dad, Steed. And uh, so what consequently happens is when he begins to crop the, the backdrop, when he begins to crop parts of the picture out just to get the part that he wants, all of a sudden you'll find that the picture loses resolution. The picture is pixelated. The part that Steed wanted to save does not look as good as it originally did. When you crop a photo, when you crop things out, when you try to leave parts out because it doesn't fit your idea of what is beautiful, all of a sudden the part you thought was beautiful doesn't, is not shown in accurate light. It is not as beautiful as it's really meant to be. And I'm here to tell you tonight, as long as we keep cropping people out of the family portrait of God, as long as we keep cropping people out of our lives, the part that we are trying to hold onto will keep losing resolution. There are facets of God some of us have cropped out. There are facets of our God that some of us have cropped out. Why? Because they don't agree with culture. Like I'm all about the love message. I'm all about the grace message because that's palatable with culture that goes along with the narrative that all, all, all goes and God's a forgiving God, which he is. But we begin to crop out the part that God desires obedience. 
we begin to crop parts out that God that God will sometimes ask you to lay it all on the line, that sometimes God won't ask you to step in to what seems like glory to glory, strength to strength, but sometimes God asks you to take an alternate route that does not look like it's leading to the promised land, as I told you two weeks ago, but it's actually the quickest route. And I'm telling you, as long as we begin to crop people and we begin to crop parts of God out that make us or our friends uncomfortable, the parts we are wanting to save won't have the power that they need to have. We cannot live cropping Christianity. We cannot live our lives cropping Christ down to just what makes us feel comfortable. No, we have to accept him in his entirety, and we've got to accept his people in their entirety, warts and all. Even the parts of us that make us scream, even the parts of it, that the reason we have a cop here on Thursday nights is because we want people here who we need a cop watching them. That is why we have one here is because we want those people here, but we want all of you to feel safe. We're not here to draw lines of division. We're here to draw circles of inclusion and because that is what Jesus died for us to do. You know the word division, division, we get it. I want, to, I want to break it down for you. It, the, the word division is actually kind of two things put together. It's the word vision, and it has the prefix die. Vision and die. The, word, the prefix die simply means two. So anytime you have two visions, you will have division. And what many of us are doing is we have Jesus and our performance. Jesus and how well you serve. Jesus and how you treat me. Jesus and where you're from. Jesus and your ethnicity. Jesus and, Jesus and, Jesus and. And the reason we have so much division is because we don't have a clear vision of it's simply Jesus that, that now defines people to me. It's simply Jesus that now makes things clear to me. It's not what you have and what you can add and what you can bring to the table. It's the fact that he brought me to the table. I shouldn't have been invited, but he brought me in. And man, that's enough for me to live the rest of my life off of. I want to encourage you tonight, my friend. We've got to run in the family. We've got to live our life. We've got to run with a posse and in the posse. If you would turn in your Bibles real quickly, you can turn your head to the screen. In Genesis chapter 11, I'm going to go there. But the first point I want to give you, the first point I want to give you is that there is power in a posse. There is power in a posse. And we see this on full display, that there's power in community. There really is. And we see this on full display in Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, starting around verse 1, we see that the people on planet Earth started to kind of come together. Now listen to me, in this moment, you can wait just for a second to throw that. In this moment, we had a, everyone on planet Earth had a common language. There was one language on planet Earth and everyone spoke it. And so all of a sudden, these people thought that they were going to be able to build a tower, build a building all the way up to God. And with their brute hands and with their brute strength and their brute militancy, they began to work together to start to build what's called the Tower of Babel. That's what we now understand it to be. Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. And guess what? God saw this attempt to work their, to, for man to work their way to him. And I want to point this out to you before we even read this. The reason God wasn't okay with this, the reason God wasn't cool with this, is because man can never work his way to God. Even when you think you've finally done it. Because listen to me, the people would have think, we finally did it. We built a tower all the way to the heavens. And God says, no, I can't let them live duped because listen to me, this doesn't go earth to heaven. It goes heaven to earth. Listen to me. Grace is not man working his way to God. Grace is God working his way to man. That's why I love when Jesus died that the veil that separated people from the holy of holies was ripped top to bottom. It wasn't ripped bottom to top. It was ripped top to bottom. God was trying to make it clear. I did this. I conquered this. I've opened the door. In fact, I am the door. Man does not work his way to God. God works his way to man. And there's some of you in here tonight. This is a sad, sick attempt to work your way back to God. And I'm here to tell you, you don't work your way back to a God who's already worked his way to you. You simply acknowledge him in the midst. You simply acknowledge him in your presence. You simply turn around. And there he is. But all of a sudden, we see these people in Genesis chapter 11. They're trying to build a tower all the way to God, just using their human minds. And they're getting pretty good at it. 
They're doing a pretty good job. So all of a sudden we see this in Genesis chapter 11, starting at verse 6. It says this. This is God saying, God said, look, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages and they won't be able to understand each other. This, listen to me, I know this sounds kind of harsh. This sounds kind of weird. This sounds almost egotistical. Like God's like, I don't want you coming up to my level. Listen to me, I already explained it. God knew they couldn't come to his level. And he said, before you go and spend years trying to work your way to me, I'm going to mix up your languages because guess what? If man thinks they found the way to God, they won't notice the way when it finally shows up. And if man could believe that, hey, we did it all the way back in Genesis chapter 11, when Jesus shows up in Matthew chapter 1, they would have never recognized him. So God says, in order for you to actually see the real way, I've got to kind of confuse. I've got to kind of jumble up what's happening right now. And literally, the Bible says that he changed all their languages. You understand this is where languages came from. Have you ever heard somebody say you're babbling? That phrase comes from Genesis chapter 11, the tower of Babel or a Babel if you're from England or something like that. <laughs> the Tower of Babel. It's God. But listen to me. This is proof right here that people, when they put their mind to it, even outside of God, can get a lot done. What if the people of God were to finally get together? If people all by themselves can get a lot done, what if the people of God with the blessing and the favor of God were to come together and try to begin to reach this lost and dying planet? What if we were to actually finally start to live in some common unity? The community that we were created to. There is power in a posse. There is power in the position and family of God. I want to read this to you. Deuteronomy says this. I don't have this on the screen. I added it later. It says this. One can put a thousand to flight. And you would think that all of a sudden, if one, listen to me. Let's get a little math. I know this is weird. If one could put 1,000 to flight. That means one can fend off 1,000 enemies. One can make 1,000 enemies head for the hills. You would think that two could then put 2,000 to flight. Like that would be my math, okay? I know I went to a Christian school in West Texas, but I think that's how math works, okay? If one can do 1,000, then two can probably do 2,000. But the Bible says two can put 10,000 to flight. That one all by itself, yeah, it can do a lot. But two to get together, all of the sudden the possibilities become exponential. It's a quantum leap. Listen to me. The kingdom of God is not based on addition. It's based on multiplication. It's based on multiplication. I'm telling you, what I'm trying to say is us coming together is synergistic. It's synergistic. When we begin to come together and we begin to work together, we can do infinitely more than we ever dreamed we possibly could. If people all by themselves who did not have the blessing of God could get a lot done, what about people who do have the blessing of God begin to come together and work together and put our biases and our differences, our prejudice and our preferences aside, and we actually begin to work at building the thing Jesus died to start? There's power, man. There's power in a posse. I want to read this. Psalm 92, verses 13 through 14. This is so powerful. This is one that, I think you, you need to put to memory. It says this, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall, they shall listen to this, they shall still bear fruit in old age and they shall be fresh and flourishing. That people who decide to plant their lives, that decide to, decide to put it in park in the house of God, I'm telling you, they will begin to flourish. All of a sudden, they will begin to bud forth and flourish in the courts of our God. You know why? You know why people are dying so much earlier all the time? Is because they haven't found anything when they were young to live for the rest of their life. Listen to me, money can't satisfy. I'm just trying to be real. I know this is cliche. I know generations have heard it, but I just want to be an echo for the truth. Just because it's said at nauseum doesn't mean it's gotten less true. Money doesn't satisfy. Sex doesn't satisfy. Some of you know that. And there is no condemnation in that. I want you to know there is no condemnation. Each and every single one of us have our flavors of sin. Each and every single one of us have our shortcomings. Each and every single one of us have had our moments. But I'm thankful that because of Jesus, our moments don't have to have us. We may have had our moments, but our moments no longer have to have us. 
And I'm telling you, if you will be a person right now in your early 20s, right now as you're beginning to exit high school, right now at 25, right now at 30, I'm telling you, if you would begin to decide that you are going to be a person who is planted in the house of God, I'm telling you, at an old age, you will still be bearing fruit. God's idea for your life, as I said earlier, is that you go glory to glory, strength to strength, grace to grace, that we don't peak at 45. We don't peak at 35 and begin to taper on down. No, that by the time we step over into heaven, we should basically be living heaven on earth because that's where God wants to lead us. That walking and stepping into heaven is honestly the natural next step for how well we've run our race here on planet earth. That's the place God wants to take you. That's the place God has taken me. And I'm telling you, that's what he will begin to do in you if you will decide, Jesus, I'm not gonna abandon the thing you died to start. I know I'm beating a dead horse, but it's because I want this idea to die. I know I'm killing this thing. I know I keep saying the same things over and over. It's because I'm trying to get it through your head. And you remember this as long as you live, that your best life is found in the house of God. Your best life is found in the word. Your best life is found in abiding in Christ. When we step into that place, man, I'm telling you, all of a sudden, even at an old age, we will still flourish. There is power. There's power in a posse. The second thing I want to tell you, and I'm going to begin to wind this down here in a moment. The second thing I want to tell you is that there's protection in a posse. There's protection in a posse. You know, there's strength in numbers, right? There is protection in the house of God. I want you to turn over, I want you to turn over to Ecclesiastes chapter four. We're going to look at verses nine through 10. It says this, Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine through 10. It says this, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But listen to this, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Someone who falls and they fall alone is in real trouble. Man, I'm telling you, there is protection. There is provision. There is security. So many of us are living insecure. It's because we'd have nothing to put our security in. And I'm telling you, if you were dared to, dare to get around a group of people who believe in the potential on your life, who believe in the call on your life, who aren't gonna let you live some bottom of the gutter life, they're gonna love you in your low moments, but they're gonna call you back to your high ones. They're gonna keep calling you as that what God calls you. And I'm here to tell you tonight, listen to me. Whosever words define you, I was listening to an Instagram live earlier today. Whosever words define you, that person is your God. Whosever words define you, that's your God. For some of us, it's our friends. For some of us, it's our parents. For some of us, it's influencers. For some of us, it's ourself. People can tell you all day long, you crushed it, you're amazing, you're beautiful. And it's not gonna be until you finally agree with them that it becomes true in your life. Listen to me, God's voice has to be higher than every other voice in your life, including yours. Whoever's words define you, that person is your God. And I'm telling you, there is protection when we get around people who know the truth about us, even when we aren't living out that truth. There is protection when we get around people who know the truth about us, even when we are making decisions lesser than the person we actually are. That's one of the things my wife and I say to each other all the time, man. Anytime I start acting up, because like usually it is me, my wife will say something like, you're not being who you really are. Because we made a decision early on. We're not going to call each other by our mistake. We're not gonna call each other our bad mood, but we're still gonna call each other out of our bad mood, out of our mistake. And I'm telling you, when you get around people who aren't afraid to confront you because they love you, I'm telling you, there's protection, there's protection. There's protection in the posse, there's protection in the family of God. I wanna read this to you, it's Matthew chapter 15, but the truth I wanna pull out right here is that being alone, listen to me, being alone is not an issue of physical distance, it's really not. Have you ever been in a crowded room and still we're all alone? Some of you are like, that's me right now. Listen to me, I'm praying that God solves that for you. I'm praying that God begins to tear down those walls for you. 
I'm praying that some conversation and some friends and maybe even an ounce of faith to step out and begin to say your name to somebody begins to well up on the inside of you because listen to me, your best friend could be sitting just a few rows away from you. Man, and about with anxiety can keep you cut off from the things God's trying to attach you to. And listen to me, your, your destiny is attached to people. Can you let that settle down in your soul? Your destiny, your calling is not something that you're gonna be able to do all by yourself. Listen to me, in Genesis chapter one, I'm about to say the scripture, but in Genesis chapter one, God looks at Adam and says, Adam being alone isn't good. Now listen to me, Adam is in perfection. This is in perfect circumstances. It's still not good to be alone. Even when all is good with your life, it's not good to be alone. If God says it's not good to be alone, then God's never gonna call you to, be, to do something you could do in the area that God says isn't good because being alone isn't good. Your destiny and your purpose are attached to the pulses sitting around you. Your destiny and your purpose, they're attached to people. There are things that you will never begin to realize in your life. There are dreams and promises that God is gonna use other people to accomplish in your life. And if you keep yourself cut off, I'm telling you, you'll never begin to step into everything God's planned for you because Isolation and being alone is not an issue of physical distance. It's an issue of heart distance. Let's throw this up. Matthew chapter 15, verse eight. It says this, these people, this is Jesus speaking. He says, these people, he's talking about the Pharisees. You need to understand that. Now, Pharisees, if you're not familiar, they're basically religious gangsters, okay? And the reason I can say that is because they jump people. They seriously do. Go read about the woman caught in adultery. They literally jump this woman. These are literal religious gangsters who think they own the block. And Jesus is talking to these religious leaders. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the Sadducees. And he says, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They honor me with their mouth. They say all the right stuff, but guess what? Their hearts could not be further from what makes my heart tick. They don't cry over the things I cry about. They don't rejoice over the things I rejoice about. They are not, they do not call a touchdown where I call a touchdown. Their, their lips honor me, but their hearts are far from me. Listen, isolation and being alone is not an issue of physical distance. It's an issue of heart distance. Listen to me, your walk with God and literally relationships, it's really not as much about proximity as it is about intimacy. You may want to write that down. It's not as much about proximity as it is about intimacy. And really what I want to break down intimacy as, and I've said this before, intimacy is, is basically defined like this, into me, see. Into me, see. You're not really being intimate. You don't have intimacy with someone unless you're letting them see in to you unless you're letting the walls come down, unless you're letting the guard down and you're actually getting vulnerable for a second. And I listen to me, I love what Pastor Brandon said last week of not everybody is mature enough for your secrets. I wanna echo that at nauseum because listen to me, not everybody is mature enough to handle your secrets, but that doesn't mean no one is. A lot of us, we have a reality that, oh yeah, not everybody's mature enough for my secrets and we stop there. We stop right there. And we never find the people that are. And we live with these places of mold. We live, and listen to me, you are as sick as your secrets. And as long as we keep it hidden, as long as we keep it shoved under the rug, it will stick around. It's when we finally let the guard down, we let intimacy begin to come in with one another in God. The Bible says this, we need to walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship with other believers. And that is where we will find healing. Some of you, you keep running to God talking about your issues and you wonder why it's not fixed yet. It's because you've only had half of the problem. You've only have had half the equation. Walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship with other believers. Listen to me. You need to actually begin to vocalize some things to some people that you can trust, some high caliber people. Listen to me. One of the things I, Beth and I like to call ourselves is we like to call ourselves the vault. We're the vault. That's one of the things we, that's language that we use a lot. And listen to me, that's something that you need to get down in your soul, that you are a vault. Because right now we have too many people trying to feel good about themselves because they've been sipping the tea off everybody else. Listen to me, tea is actually gonna dehydrate you. You wonder why you feel sick. It's because you're living off tea, sweet tea. 
And if you would, listen to me, if you'd stop sipping everybody's tea and actually get back to the living water, you might actually feel pretty dang good. You might actually begin to find the life that God has for you. But because we go from person to person, from person to story to story to story, from gutter to gutter to gutter, we wonder why our outlook on life is trashy. It's because everything we talk about is trash. It's no wonder. It's no wonder we think there's nothing good going on. It's because you don't talk about anything good that's going on. You don't ever take a moment with the Kyle Bungers in your life to lift them and, 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 and encourage them. I, I listen to me. A dis, I don't know if you caught on, but discouragement doesn't do anything good. You know, for you and your, 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 your booth thing, um, I don't remember the last time screaming really solved anything. I don't remember like any time ever hearing a wife say, baby, you finally yelled so long enough and so loud enough. I finally, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. I love, oh my God, I love you. Let's go to the bedroom. You know, like that doesn't happen. Listen to me. That doesn't happen. You cannot yell loud enough and long enough to get through to somebody, but you can love long enough. You can love long enough to get through to somebody. I'm telling you, we begin to step in that place. When we get a long love, a wide, a high, a deep, and a lengthy kind of love that says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm a vault. I'll be here for you. All of a sudden, we can begin to see the people in our lives lead different lives. All of a sudden, people we thought we would never see come to Christ, they're coming to Christ. It's not because you're so militant and you're so powerful. It's because you stepped into the long-suffering, enduring love that God has already shown you. Man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down tonight. I hope you're smelling what I'm stepping in. This is good stuff, man. I'm telling you, this is, this is the age in which we've got to grab this. We've got to grab it and drive it like we stole it. Because listen to me, the days are only going to get darker. I'm not trying to prophesy. The Bible just tells us that's what's going to happen. Things aren't going to get nicer. It's not going to be easier to be loving, which is why you need to start now while it's the easiest. Man, I'm telling you, as we begin to practice, we begin to put these things and we begin to actually be what God's called us to be, which is the body of Christ. I'm telling you, you'll find that there's protection in the posse. And this is the part that hurts people because listen to me, what we're talking about is the church and what many people have are church hurts. And right now I've done this before, but I just feel God, I can't say church hurts without getting emotional <laughs> because I'm sick and tired of the church hurting people. But the problem is the church will always hurt people. Why? Because the church is made up of people. It always will. It's, I, I wish I could say that was going to change. But the reason the church hurts people is because you go to church. And you hurt people. It's because I go to church. And I hurt people. People have church hurts. And the crazy thing about the church is the church is what God uses to heal church hurt. What God uses to heal church hurt is the church. And when we cut ourselves, off, cut ourselves off from the church, when we cut ourselves off from the body of Christ, we are cutting ourselves off to a large portion of how God wants to get healing to us. Listen to me, your deepest hurt will come through relationship in your life. My dad covered this last week. It was so good. If you haven't listened to that message, you need to go back and listen to it. It's available on podcast. It's called Live Bagless. It was so good. But your deepest pain, your deepest hurt will come through relationship. But guess what? Your deepest places of healing are also coming through relationship. Relationship. We cannot cut ourselves off from the body of Christ. God uses the church to heal church hurt. Man, and this is really where I want to land the plane. And the thing that I want to talk to you about real quickly as we begin to close down is God... People, people need our posse. People need what's going on here. And then listen to me, I preached a message similarly to this in a, a, a couple years ago. And I really felt like it was prophetic. And I really began, listen to me, what we're having right now, and I know this is crazy. This is a light night. If you've never been to young adults before, this is a super light night attendance wise. But literally back whenever I preached a message like this originally, we had about 45 people coming on a Thursday. 
and I sat up here on a stage. Uh, maybe I don't even know if this stage was built yet. And I sat up here and I began to prophesy to our young adult community that there were days coming when people would flood into this room from the north, the south, the east, and the west of our city and our region, of our county, because they are hungry for God. And listen to me, I think we're seeing the beginnings of that, but we have not seen the complete fruition of that. Because listen to me, as much as you, and I pray, I pray this is you. If not, I'm about to be done and you never have to come back, okay? But as much as you are enjoying what God's doing here and as much as you have been changed and transformed and touched by what God is doing here, whether it be through friends or whether it be through the word or somebody preaching up here, man, there are people who need exactly what you've gotten. There are people who need the transforming love of God. People need our posse. And there's this, there's this scripture, there's a story in Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five, Jesus tells this story. This is where literally where I land the plane. Jesus tells this story of, uh, uh, Luke begins to, excuse me, begins to tell this story of a time where Jesus went to a house and he begins to minister in this house and he's ministering. And so many people are jam-packed in this house that people are literally stuck outside. And so all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the, this group of men begin to enter the story. And what these group of men are carrying is one of their friends on a mat. These group of men are carrying one of their friends. This man has been paralyzed his entire life, and they are carrying him to Jesus. And so all of a sudden, they get there. Who knows how long the journey has been? Who knows how many miles they covered carrying one of their friends on a mat? And they get to the house, and the, the place is jam-packed. They can't find an entrance. They can hear Jesus speaking, but they can't get an audience with Jesus. And right about here, a lot of us probably would have turned away. And that's the problem with a lot of us is we are too easily deterred from what God has destined. We are too easily, we, we see a door that seems shut and we go, oh, I can't go there. When we don't realize that the enemy has just jammed his foot in the door because he knows your destiny is on the other side and the grace and the faith of God are coming and saying, I've given you the authority, kick the dang door down. Move in, take the ground, get some tenacity. Live the legendary life I've called you to live. Quit backing down at every door that seems shut and begin to knock. All of a sudden, he walk, they walk up to this house and the place is jam-packed. So they sit there and they begin to form a plan. They didn't come ready for this. And all of a sudden, you can imagine one of the guys pipes up. He says, I, I know this sounds crazy. And I know that we'll probably get in some trouble. But this is, he's worth it. We need to get on the roof and we got to do whatever we got to do. We don't know when Jesus is going to be back around. And so they literally, I don't know how hard the climb was. I don't know if there was a ladder. You can only imagine. But they begin to haul this man on this mat up to the roof. They set him down. The sun's beating down on them. Listen to me. They didn't come prepared to get turned away at the door. So they didn't come with shovels. They didn't come with a pickaxe. They didn't come with hammers. They didn't come with anything, but they had their bare hands. And they get down in their hands and their knees. And you can imagine them just sitting there. Their friends just lying there under the under the Israel sun and they're sitting there just moving out. Jesus is speaking. All of a sudden, ceiling tiles just begin to fall. And all of a sudden, before you know it, there's a new skylight in the house that wasn't there just a few moments ago. And all of a sudden, a mat just gets lowered down right in front of Jesus. And Jesus looks at the man. He says, man, I'll tell you right now, Jesus knows exactly what's going on. You can read it for yourself. The first words out of Jesus is, Sir, your sins are forgiven. Now, listen to me. A lot of us would think, Jesus, like, what the heck are you doing? Like, this man obviously didn't come here looking for his sins forgiven. He wants his legs to work. But here's the thing. God knows. God knows what you really need. And some of you are saying, God, this is my issue. God, here's the problem. I've got a broken heart. God, I've, uh, people have trampled me. God, I feel rejected. I feel abandoned. I feel lost. I feel forgotten. And before, God, I need you to send people my way. And before God can send people your way, he needs you to rely on him. Because if he sends people immediately, you'll think people are your savior. But if he'll step in and he'll be all that you need, all of a sudden when he really does send people, people will serve their rightful place in your life. And that's as a support not as the cornerstone. All of a sudden, Jesus looks at this man. He says, your sins are forgiven. And the religious Pharisees, as I told you about them earlier, they begin to get upset. They say, who has, this, who has the right 
to forgive sins. Really what they're saying is it's real easy for you to say your sins are forgiven. And Jesus looks at him and says this. He says, which is, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and walk. Be healed. And so what Jesus is doing, listen to me, this part of the scripture used to really confuse me when I was a kid. But what Jesus is doing is he's trying to get them to see that his words carry weight. He's saying, I know it's real easy for me just to kind of wave my hand in front of you and say, your sins are forgiven. But in order to prove that when I speak to something and it moves, I'll show you my words matter. I'm going to do what you think is impossible. And he looks at the man. He says, take up your mat and walk. And the man gets up, rolls his mat up, and walks out of there. And in that moment, everybody understood the validity that when, if Jesus can speak to legs and they move, then Jesus can speak to a soul wandering around in darkness and it come into marvelous light. All of a sudden, you can see when Jesus speaks, things begin to happen. He's not just waving his hand. He's not, it's not just smoke and mirrors, man. He's the real deal. And as amazing as this story is, as awesome as that moment is, listen to me, that moment would not have happened. Listen to me, there... It was the faith of his friends that put him in the position. He could not get himself to. Really what I want to draw your attention to is that there are people in our community. There are people sitting in your classes. There are people working the same job as you. There are people sharing your same last name and they can't get themselves to Jesus. It's not that they won't. It's that they can't. They're emotionally and spiritually paralyzed. And what they need is for some people who, are, who would dare, who would dare to pick up a mat, walk however long it takes, even if it means getting on a roof. Listen to me. Most scholars believe that the house they were at was Peter's house. This is the same dude who chopped an ear off. I don't think you want to go tearing up Peter's house. He's a little bit of a loose cannon. You don't know what you're going to get. But they said, man, listen to me. This is what they said. What's on our mat is worth it. What's on our mat is worth the work. And what I'm here to tell you tonight, what's on our mat is worth the work. No, they're not easy to love, but they're worth it. No, they're not easy to talk to, but they're worth it. No, they're not easy to understand, but people are worth it. And as long as we keep living small, sheepish, apathetic lives, we will never see the kingdom of God take over the kingdom of this world. As long as we just keep living our small, apathetic, Christian, comfy little lives and we never begin to step out, we never want to get our hands dirty, then we won't, say, we won't see the sinners become clean. But man, if we would find some people who dare to get in the mix, who say, come hell or high water, I'm going to use what I, I can't save him, Jesus, I can't heal him. I want him healed so bad. But I can't, but I know if I get him to you, you can I want to make a promise to you right now. I want to make a promise to you. If you will dedicate the rest of this year to bringing people who are far from God to young adults, I will do everything in my power to make it utterly clear that God loves them and has a plan and a purpose for their life. You and I need to work as a team. We all need to work together to accomplish. The Bible says this, Paul says this, he says, some, wa some plant and some water, but it's God who causes the growth. You may plant, I may water, but literally it's ultimately God who causes the growth. I can't reach everybody in this city on my own. I can't do it. I'm incapable of doing it. I can't touch everybody. But listen to me, God's called us to not live Christian kumbaya lives, but actually go out and risk it because what's on our mat is worth the work. And just like that man who laid on that mat, he got more than he bargained for. He didn't come thinking his sins were going to get forgiven. He thought at best his legs might work a little better. I'm telling you, God always gives you more than you bargain for. And right now, just with every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment of privacy and concentration, I want to talk to somebody in here real quick that maybe you're not one of the friends. Maybe you're not the tear the roof off friend, but you're the man on the mat. You're the man lying helpless. And the reason you're here tonight is because you have a tear the roof off that friend that invited you here. And right now you've seen that the grace of God has swooped low, that the grace of God has come to you. And right now I don't want to miss a moment to offer you the same thing Jesus offered that man. And that's for your sins to be forgiven. 
Before Jesus heals you in the, of all the things, of all the addictions, of all the stuff, He needs to become Lord of your life. And He will begin to walk that journey out with you. But I'm telling you, it's that first step of relinquishing control and saying, God, I see you and I dare to trust you. And I'm telling you, that's the first step in the journey of the rest of your life. If you're in here tonight and you'd say, Kenan, I need, I need to accept the forgiveness that only Jesus offers. I am that man on the mat. And it's time for me to stop living paralyzed start living in the promise if that's you tonight when i count to three i just like you to simply raise your hand one god loves you two now's your moment come on three if that's you raise your hand real quick yes 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 hands going up in all over this place yes i see that hand praise god anybody else anybody else real quick don't let this moment pass you by don't let this moment pass you by thank you if you put your hand up you can put it back down real quick second group of people that I want to pray for is you would say, Kenan, I love Jesus, but I've been living a pretty sheepish, a pretty sheepish life. And I'm ready. I'm ready to let the love of God provoke me to where the love of God wants me to go. And that's to go out on a limb. That's to begin to love people. That's to begin to invite people to church. That's to begin to build the thing Jesus died to start, which is the church. And you'd say, Kenan, I just want to pray for a fresh fire. I want to pray for a fresh fire in my relationship with God and how I see the world and my, my, my zeal for reaching lost people. I just want to pray for that fresh fire. If that's you, I just really, I feel like praying for that tonight. If that's you and you're just ready for that fresh fire to come over you, I just want you to raise your hand right now. Come on, hand, hands going up literally all over this room. Amen. Amen, just a fresh fire. Would you just leave your hand up? I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for those that raised their hand tonight because, Lord, I know that hand represents their heart. And, Lord, a heart that's just been yielded to you is a heart that's going to stay with you for eternity. Lord, I thank you right now that nothing, no lie of the enemy, no slanderous person could ever begin to talk them out of the thing you dragged them into, which is your divine purpose. It's the gospel. It's the grace and the love of God that saves us. It's not our works. It's not our militants. We can't add to it. We can't undo it. We can't let you down, God, because we're not what holds you up. And Lord, I thank you that right now, every person raising their hand under the sound of my voice that raised their hand for the first time or Lord, for the first time in a long time for some fresh fire. Lord, I thank you that you meet them right now. Lord, I thank you that you swoop through. Lord, you are a consuming fire. And I speak a fire into their bones right now that they would never be the same. Lord, I thank you that they would even feel it as they sleep tonight, as they begin to drift off, as they begin to leave this place. Lord, I thank you that that fire isn't going to diminish, but you're going to fan the flame that you have put there. You are going to fan the flame that you have put there. Lord, I thank you that this is just the beginning. And as, a, as Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, you will complete what you have started in them. And I thank you for it right now. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 Come on, can we put our hands together for those who just said yes to Jesus? Come on.